trying to fool a computer program with the old three-card Monty. It's Major Please, a hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And my name is Joseph, but I've got a bigger combat. <laughs> Before we discuss the size of your combat, Peter, <laughs> which is both the length and the girth is quite impressive, I want to start by letting our audience know that we're going to have our usual spring break period here. As is traditional, every year for this show, I have to indulge your patience because I do have a real job that pays real money, and it requires a lot of my time in the month of April. Uh, So you'll be hearing this starting on April 8th of 2021. You will next hear from us actually on May 6th when we will release to the wilds our previously Patreon exclusive episode uh, that explores our thoughts on lower decks. And then the week after that, we'll continue on with our regular Voyager episodes. I appreciate everyone's patience. I won't go into details as to why this period is always uh, so busy for me, since that might be just a little too much information for the internet, but suffice it to say, I'll tell you why it's going to be too busy for me is, I'm spawning again. Yes, you. Casey's already with deeply with child at this point yeah. for number three, man. There's gonna be more vomit all over the place. So uh, I will be broadcasting when we do our early May episode with like fresh baby puke. It'll be very exciting. So, so we've got stuff going on, and we'll see you again on May sixth, and then really see you again on May thirteenth. So. Thank you for your patience. You know, enjoy getting your vaccines and stuff and going out and seeing the real world in the uh, aftermath of that. You can just rejoin us after you realize that's not so great. But we have other things to talk about also before we get to the episode, man. This is been- real exciting uh, earth shattering events. I I beat Breath of the Wild for Switch and I am so proud of this. <laughs> Now, that was a long time coming. I remember you telling me you bought that for Casey four years ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a big investment for me to like see an open world game like that and be like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to I'm going to start this like knowing the Herculean undertaking that is to like really beat a game like that. I I got all the outfits. I beat all the divine beasts. And then I finally went into what I felt was a very underwhelming fight with Ganon an old Hyrule castle. Ganon is, is a, is a face role. If you actually went and did all of the bosses, like he's only hard. If you skipped any of them, (laughs) which you can do. I thought the mechanic for like the, the shield deflect, which they didn't really reinforce at the rest of the game at all was shitty for them to make it like pivotal. That final fight scene. But, uh, yeah i mean typical skyrim and any other game like that like you go and like all geared up in the last dude just you beat the fuck out of him with a master sword and that's pretty much that they do give you the opportunity to refresh your memory on the short shield deflect thing with the with the robots that are kind of stock the outside of the castles they're trying to remit remind you to do that but is that what that is? Yeah. Because I just shot them all in the eyeball with an arrow and then beat the fuck out of them with, uh... <laughs> with the Master Sword. <laughs> yeah, with the Master Sword. Yeah, you can you can shield reflect those guys. I I beat that game. It's going to be four years ago in September. And I, I know that's the case because I beat it while I was literally in Japan. 
So Stevie and I, when we did our honeymoon, I sweated out being an Uber driver, no shit, to pay for our our wedding and then our honeymoon uh, because she said she wanted to go to Japan and I am, if anything, a you know a provider of the things my wife uh, dreams of uh, with great pride, I should I should say. And so we went to Japan. It was a great trip. Did a lot of great stuff, and we we're in a, literally a a hot springs traditional rural Japanese hotel, and just chilling. And I pull out the switch. I'm like, I think I'm finally going to beat Breath of the Wild. And I chose not to go beat one of the bosses. I only beat three of them, and I just went and and Steel Man, the last boss, it took me I think three tries, and I actually got him on the third try. So I didn't get the, the, the best ending. I'm like, oh, I should go back and beat the last boss and then beat it again. And I never have. <laughs> there, I, I don't think there's any really like the, the ending was overwhelming. Whatever little cinematic they gave you, I thought was kind of phoning it in. But, the game uh, itself is the experience. It's one of the best yes. games ever made uh, as far as just playing and exploring. It's a game that it, it the switch, the two best switch games, in my opinion, are our breath of the wild and super Mario odyssey because they super Mario odyssey, because they really just give you the joy of exploring. Like I have never had a smile on my face the same way as playing those games. And that's special. Speaking of exploring, um, I forget that you were doing your Uber driving to fund that, that honeymoon. I did my Uber driving stints just because I enjoyed, um, heartbreaking stories from prostitutes yeah i mean that was also that was like b that was that was a pay for the (laughs) for my wedding b plot b plot (laughs) is horrific stories from hookers literally Mm -hmm. my first night full night driving for uber and this must have been five or six years ago was i end of the night i picked up a hooker who told me about her whole night and i'm like this is this is what you get at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm getting it. I'm getting, I'm getting the full experience. I did literally the Bob's burger thing when I came home. I was like, I think I'm a pimp now. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of pimping and, and making that bread, I think that we should probably make mention since uh, this whole thing's built around Voyager. There's a Star Trek Voyager documentary that is in the works. What? Uh, Guess, yeah, I guess that DS9 documentary made some cash, huh? Well, as I understand it, this is the largest crowdfunded um, documentary ever. It's on Indiegogo. Uh, they are currently sitting at 1,271,000. What's the name of it? Star Trek Voyager documentary. Oh, man, that's very inventive. Mm-hmm. I don't really know too much about this thing. It's been in my news feed, but I've been reluctant to click on it because I've got enough of my life wrapped up in Voyager and I didn't think I was going to see any funny memes there. So <laughs> it, it uh, apparently it was uh, it's called to the journey. I which which I did not know. And yeah, it 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 ended. Oh, is it over then? Yeah, it looks like it's over. No. Yeah, it's over. No, no, I'm, well, I'm sorry. It's to... it's kind of it's one of those ongoing ones, I think, because it long since met its its uh its requirement. But yeah, it's whew, man. Is one of these stretch goals uh divulge why Jennifer Lean was actually fired? 
Jesus, God only knows. I'm sure if you're going to do this, you're going to have to touch on that at some point. It seems like it's the same people who did the DS9 one and For the Love of Spock, which, by the way, is on Netflix, and I have not watched it, though I have considered it. Garrett has teased that when they get towards the end of the season, they are going to specifically address the Harry Kim versus Kess departure. I don't think he's going to give I don't think he can give the true answer. Uh, and speaking of Delta Flyers real quick, I did catch up with them. Uh, the the infamous False Prophets, which is, I maintain, one of the worst episodes of Voyager of all time. And I'm pleased to say that per our fans' reports, uh, Robert Duncan McDeal has the good taste and decency to condemn the fuck out of that episode as well. Like I have not seen him go balls deep in the hate like he does for false prophets and it is it is something to behold i am i have it queued up for listing next time i go to the gym which will probably be in a couple days here because <laughs> uh drank some alcohol this evening and i would love to know some details you know they've got a format to that show and they save their thoughts at the end they get out of the rewatch and just right off the bat he's like two out of ten this is terrible. I'm friends with everybody who's involved in making this thing, but everybody did a bad job. The sep- like all the stuff that these guys are usually like, no man, set design was great. Like it's just fuck this guy and fuck that guy and fuck this thing. Really? Very refreshing. I, oh yeah. Okay. So here's, you know, I was reflecting on this. You would think that bit. this, you would think that false prophets spiked his drink at the bar. The, the venom <laughs> that he's got for this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a little surprised because that episode is bad shit and it is worthy of of hatred on the basis of the the script and the premise for for sure right it is the one of the most bafflingly written episodes of Voyager that we have ever seen I would consider it maybe third place only behind the two giant what the fuck with an exclamation point moments that is Tuvix and uh, and Threshold. However, honestly, like the 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 idea of the two Frankie grifters wandered accidentally to the Delta Quadrant and the actual like Frankie characters, some some of the stuff in it is fun. It's interesting. I enjoyed reviewing it with you. It's just the premise of the episode is so innately flawed that there's this giant door to go home that they just never take because the plot says they can't. That is so infuriating about it. it What's it's not bad in the way some of the truly bad episodes of Voyager are like twisted. Um, uh, go, go back and listen to our coverage of, uh, of that one, which I believe we called under boob for days. Like, I remember being pretty angry, upset with that episode as well. And what I'm enjoying out of the the Delta Flyer episode specifically to that is I talk to you, you talk to me, we're both Trek fans. And even though this is my first watch through for Voyager, there's there's that foundation of Trek that we can go back to and say, hey, here's established canon. Here's stuff they did in Next Gen. Here's here's the world as we know it in Trek. And here's how Voyager's interacting with it. Robert Duncan McNeil particularly <clears throat> is an actor, is a director. You know, he he's not a Star Trek fan first and foremost, right? 
And a lot of times when he's reviewing these uh, episodes, it's it's an outsider looking in, even though he was there and he was a part of the machine. Uh, he doesn't look at it with fans eyes. But at this he's point, got he's, got, he's enough... got a different perspective now. Right. But at this point, like he's got enough of these Voyager episodes viewings under his belt that he's starting to build like the world in his head he's giving back into it it's sucking him back in (laughs) it's not sucking him back in it's 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 exposing him from the first time as a viewer right okay yeah and like his neck beard is starting to grow you know such his cackles such a precious to see to see it happen his actuallys are beginning to bloom and like watching him start to get like the hints of outrage at Star Trek contradicting itself and really question the universe that this show is taking place in is so excellent. And that, and like he's getting into it, but he's still a noob. And like, he takes like real offense when they, uh, when Neelix becomes the Nagus's uh, proxy. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's like, when in Star Trek's history, have we ever had a main character go through cosmetic surgery to look like another race? And it's like, Oh, Rob, you're walking into a trap. You're gonna look as stupid saying this as I did when I didn't know the name of the the World War II plane that bombed uh, <laughs> Nagasaki. Like, <laughs> happens all the time, bro. Deanna did it. Chakotay does it. It's gonna happen like crazy later on. Like that's that's Starfleet 101. Is plastic surgery is easy. I mean, just the other day you had uh, the EMH making the lady go from being a bottle cap head Necron back to like regular old human in uh harry's canadian girlfriend i look forward to listening to that one thank you for the tease but what are, what did we watch this week peter oh at the 14 minute mark uh season six episode 21 live fast and prosper i like this episode i think the pre- it's fucking great this the premise is fucking hilarious uh, it's hilarious on the actual level that it's implemented, and then it's even funnier for us, of course, for the many uh, Voyager next door reasons that we have provided through years and years of content. <laughs> but they they deliver on a plot that ends up being actually kind of clever. You know, they set up this idea halfway through the episode, where specifically about Tom and yes. Neelix. And you're like, oh, is this is going to be a scene? No, it's going to be the second half of the fucking episode. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It is a perfect example of a very Voyager episode. Like, no other Trek show could do something quite like this and still feel like Trek. And I think that's why I've always liked it as much as I have. Uh, comedy's there. Solid story is there. Appropriate uh consequences and risk is there the big shocker to me in opening up memory alpha was that this was a lavar burton direct well he got his redemption as we talked about last week he did he did timeless he's a, he's allowed to come back he's gold forever <laughs> but i'm just saying this is icing on the cake and i think a lot of the fun in this episode comes from again that eye of someone who has been to the conventions has seen people cosplaying as them uh, and has been around the block a few times. So uh, I don't have a ton of notes on this one because I spent most of the episode sitting back and enjoying it. But um, there's, there's some real standout moments that I'm looking forward to getting to. And and I just want to lay the groundwork on it that again, credit where credit's always due. 
these Voyager scripts, because they can be so bad sometimes and ignorant of their own continuity, they'll set things up where I'm instantly like, this is absurd. How could person X do thing Y? That's that's person X's whole thing. And then, you know, just catch me mid thought and be like, oh, damn, they they got me. They got me. And there's there's a real good gotcha in this one. Oh, there is. So uh, you, they, you, that that is the best part of the show. Like the, this subverts your expectations by making you think that it's going to do its usual Voyager fucking bullshit and not pay off anything that it sets up. And then it actually pays it off quite elegantly at that. And stunner of stunners, the writer on this was Robin Berger, who only wrote for Voyager in season six. And their other episodes were Fairhaven and Memorial, which I really liked. I thought that that episode was fantastic. You were a little bit more medium on it, but I, Listen, I recognize Memorial for being good. It was just a little. It was too intense that that Vietnam threat. I, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't my favorite. I, I recognize it was good, but I'm not going to give it my grade. Well, going out on the high note, this is the last episode of Voyager she writes, but she did a damn fine job. So we open up on I can't tell if it's CGI or map painting or both, but we got a pretty cool slow pan over some sort of a colony. Um, it's a mining colony and you've got two bumbling miners who are uh, getting ready for a meeting while their boss is away on business. Uh, and who are they doing business with? Well, none other than the crew of Voyager or so you would think. But who should beam down but two people who sort of resemble Janeway and Tuvok, but are clearly not. Uh, they're played by different actors, and as you noted at the at the very start, Peter, their costumes are not right. They have these comically large com badges. Their pips actually are also like comically large. Their uniforms are ill fitting. These, which is par for the course for Voyager, okay. if we're being yeah. honest, <laughs> even more ill fitting, noticeably more ill fitting. These are grifters. They be grifting, and that. That is the premise that we are set up with within the teaser. These guys, these uh, fakes, we can spot them easily. They have uh, closed vagina lips on their foreheads. Yeah, clear. got that shit on their foreheads. Standard Delta Quadrant alien nonsense going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, those com badges. I saw those com badges. I was like, man, are those like Playmates toys? I don't know if you remember, like they had a com badge that Playmates made. And the thing was like the size of a paper plate. So uh, I, I got a real good laugh off of that. But um, the the fakes, they lay out their story. Hey, uh, we want to trade you some dilithium for, I don't know, beryllium or something. Bolomite. Bolomite. Yeah. We need it for the orphans. And this becomes a very important uh, plot element because we will hear about the orphans several times throughout the course. It becomes what ultimately allows Janeway to put two and two together. Uh, in a very rare showing, uh, this interaction ends peacefully and happily. Usually when Voyager's dealing with people, it's ugly and nasty. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, Voyager actually fixes all the problems in the end. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, the cool part about the grifters that you see off the, 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 the top is that they seem to 
like have Voyager shtick pretty cold. You know, they talk about they're from Earth. Janeway is from Indiana. She grew up on a farm. Like they know shit, right? They set that up right at the beginning. And fake Tuvok in particular is super in character. This guy is full immersion. Yeah, he's yeah. he's method. He's a method actor. He is not breaking character. No, no OOC for him. Respect, by the way. Absolutely. It's hard to do. <laughs> he starts falling in love, I would say, to a certain that that makes the ending interesting to me. I really figured that this guy was gonna like turn coat and throw in with Voyager, like having become a secret fanboy. Uh spoiler, he just gets shot instead. But <laughs> he is deep in the weeds on the Tuvok character. He is living his life uh to Vulcan standards of logic. And even when it's just them standing around being scummy space pirates on the bridge, he's still referring to his uh, crewmates as Captain Janeway. I don't know if he calls the other butthead Chakotay or not, but... Yeah, he's very method the entire time. And the main character in this this crowd is actually named Dala. Uh, played by Catelyn Hop- Hopkins, I believe is the actress's name, who apparently also did a scene where she played fake Seven of Nine. And there's like a single picture of her in the Seven of Nine outfit, um, which they, they cut the scene for time, which is too bad. I'd love to have seen her in person in Seven of Nine. But anyway, the, the they do this this weird deal where they're going to trade dilithium for, for uh, bolomite with these miners. They beam back up to the delta flyer which is just like a rust bucket (laughs) ship that they have said it's the delta flyer and they're greeted by the third member of the crew who in one scene actually uh impersonates chakotay and they're clear grifters they're con artists they have for whatever reason picked up on on voyager shtick and they're going to planets and and making fake deals with them and we see that manifested here when they are going to make it to the exchange for the bolomite and they beam the bolomite up and they're going to beam dilithium down. And then suddenly there's an ion storm and they can't beam things. It's classic, uh, you know, take the payment via P- PayPal for the shipment. And then for some reason, nothing gets shipped type of scam. Well, unfortunately for these space miners, they're not, doing their transactions through PayPal and they have no ability to reverse transactions. So they get straight fucked. I would be remiss if I did not bring this up uh, while we were talking about, um, you know, certain characters being portrayed multiple ways. We get not one, not two, but three distinct separate uses on three separate planets for our beloved cave system in this, uh, this episode. That is very true. <laughs> When they broke it out, my initial working title for this was going to be Two Caves, One Episode. And when they broke the final set of caves out at the end of this, it blew my fucking mind, man. I was just, I was in another level of Every configuration of the Caves of Hell set was used in this episode. No cave was left unturned. (laughs) You can, they used all the caves of the Buffalo. Yes, they did. You can see the DNA of so many other episodes in how they they structure this. you can see space spider asteroid you know in that in the final scene uh you can see the uh the uh episode when when actually it's tom and neelix are stuck in that cave and 
have to deal with the really good prosthetic raptor baby and everything else. That, that was the the, the the first time the caves were used. Was that parsimonious parson? No, it was partuition. Partuition, yeah. Uh, was Freaks uh, saving a absolute absurd episode idea from the dustbin of history? <laughs> but yeah, you see it, man. You you can't help like if you're a Star Trek fan and you see those caves and you see those those specific configurations of those caves. There's just so many memories flood back immediately, and they just put a smile on your face. So we pick up with Janeway, who's about to take a sonic shower. The sonic shower goes haywire. It shatters the mirror. She goes down to engineering to figure out what the fuck's going on. And it's very busy engineering because Voyager is currently in the process of falling apart. Everybody is just working their ass off. And Janeway, like, grabs Bellana so we can tell her some cockamamie story about fucking gremlins or whatever. Uh, but it's not gremlins. That's behind the problem in this. It's, uh, it's a big space rat named Neelix. You would think that after the fucking cheese incident, he would know better. But no, as we find out, it is all of the problems that are happening on Voyager, all the system failures, is because he decided to plug in a a 12 volt into a 15 volt uh, wall socket. <laughs> I you don't even have to go back to the cheese incident. If you go back to. Um tom tom low jacking into a murderous shuttlecraft what was christine what was that one called alice alice right alice uh neelix got gotten that one too in the trade and you know thought he was getting some good stuff and it all turned out to be turdy um i don't think this is as much as he put the wrong piece on the incorrect voltage i think that thing was just a shitty dud it it was dripping in green fluid like neelix buddy i know you're not the most hygienic motherfucker on the ship but are you fucking kidding me like oh this this green slime encrusted power coil seems like an excellent thing to install on my state-of-the-art ferrari federation starship here in my hobo trash can fires where i've literally poisoned every biological component in the past what could possibly go wrong the green battery acid it's like uh cooking on cast iron right it it just adds to the experience it's got its own taste and uh he's fine of it no yeah they they pull this thing up they're like all right we found the problem this thing's been causing issues on the entire ship apparently we don't have any sort of like power strips that filter problems from spreading like crazy uh where did this goofy thing come from and then neelix is like oh on our mission in the asteroid caves with the nun. You read the reports, right? And Janus is kind of like, uh, so we get our second shot of the caves. Well, and before they, they do the flashback, she, he just says, Oh, I, I ran into this nun sister Dalo who's trying to help some orphans. Right. So you, the viewer know, once the orphans gets mentioned for the second time, you're like, clearly it was the s- same people. Right. Like the 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 viewer is ahead of the characters a little bit in terms of how they pace the the narrative flow of the episode, which is which is neat because they because right. they reverse it later on in a cool way. And that's when Janeway is called the bridge and like the angry minor boss is like, you stole all our space rocks. And she's like, I, I don't fucking know you, dude. 
you've called I, why are you here <laughs> I have, new phone I, who this yeah i have no idea what you're talking about and uh you know she's like uh let's be diplomatic okay. about it and when they cut back from commercial break angry minor bosses on the ship showing the transmission which is garbled but clearly like not janeway and the minor boss is see you did it she's like she's like that's just that is just not me <laughs> like all you humans look the same with your <laughs> floppy hair and altruistic talk it's very very human racist <laughs> like in general She's like exasperated with this guy immediately. Like that just that wasn't me. Like I know we could barely see her, but she still doesn't actually look like me. She certainly doesn't sound like me. Like and mentions the he mentioned the angry minor boss mentions mentions the orphans, and then she's like orphans. Did you say something about orphans? And then that's when Jane Wade does the most uncharacteristic thing, which is put two and two together and goes down the <laughs> fucking engineering and says, hey, filthy space cat. What was that about orphans earlier? Can you can you give me a flashback real quick? And he sits down and is like, of course, <laughs> Captain. <laughs> I don't want to read a report. I need the flashback from the source. Um, I would criticize here that you have fake fake Delta flyer tooting around uh, ripping off hillbilly miners. Like how could this even be in the same system as Voyager by the time this got back to Voyager, but given Voyager's propensity to just muck around and play in the dirt at every little opportunity, I suppose it does make sense I, that they're not like, I buy it. They're not optimizing their time. We know that already. No, no. So she gets uh, Neelix in there and he starts recounting the story. And I'm very happy to see Neelix and his good friend Tom Paris together in some buddy action. This is we, a great Tom Paris Neelix story. <laughs> like the whole episode. It's A plus. It's A plus. And ever since part tuitions uh, and later into the Seska plot where Tom fakes that he's going to leave and like Neelix gives him a hug like there is supposed to be this friendship, right? And I, there have been many episodes in the past that have featured one character or the other, and it's really been missing the other guy. You know, they haven't been paired up, and they should have been. So I was very happy to see them together and the pretenses that they under. So there's some great sass out of Tom about how excited he was to join Starfleet under the promise of adventure and... uh and here he is looking for mold or whatever the fuck it is. It's some shit the doctor wants when they cut to the flashback and they're in these caves and they run across to. Let me give the the the, the quote here because it's a good one. I tell you, Neelix, when I first joined Starfleet, I knew it was going to be one glamorous adventure after another. But never did I dream I'd have the opportunity to go on a mold hunting expedition. And then Neelix looks over. He's like, Neelix, who, who gets it right? Like. More and more, I, I see Neelix like the shitty person Neelix used to be and the morale officer he's become. But every now and then, like New Jack, Neelix is like peeking over the edge of the table. He's like, well, I'm detecting some traces of glamour over in this direction. <laughs> and that's when they find the nun, right? Right. And the the I use a lot of I'm using a lot of arrow quotes right now. The nun is the same con artist we saw earlier, who's with the uh the person we know is fake Tuvok and they go on a whole constructed spiel about how they're this 
the sect of very private religious figures and they work a very pacifistic meek angle with neelix and they play him as being very sympathetic to the idea that they're trying to collect resources for the orphans and feed him the line to to get him to give something up to them now meanwhile you got paris in the background who will also you know ultimately get got but at this stage you got convict tom you got tom vic back there openly pointing a gun at the nun and her friend (laughs) yeah just got his service nine out immediately to no comment of anybody like literally just waving it around at them like i'm ready to shoot both of you and they just don't instantly i'm back in basics part two when we see tom being chased by kazan and he does like the top gun air stop and lets the kazan go in front blows them both up and says i don't have time for you and then just goes about his merry day tom kills people (laughs) tom does not care about life the same way an actual federation officer does but i'll shoot uh, this nun i will shoot her (laughs) i don't know if this is a nun they've got like uh linen wraps all over and tom correctly it's like i don't know if this is a nun or if this is a space mummy you never know it's a delta quadrant man some gnarly shit happens here space werewolves and space mummies yeah shoot first ask questions that listen that's what the stun settings for and they don't tell you this in starfleet but like stun first ask questions later but you know tom eventually puts his glock down and and they run their their game on on neelix and tom kind of goes along with it and wound up inviting them up to the delta flyer and what we find out as part of these flashbacks is Neelix was a little too sherry with information about Janeway specifically and, and Voyager. And ultimately, they kind of convinced them to do some prayer where they, you know, closed their eyes and, and prayed. And while they scanned their database and took all their information. And this is how it is that these con artists got the data that they presently have this is where i walk as a viewer to the piece of cheese sitting on the floor underneath a box being propped up by a stick right because i'm like this is bullshit these are the guys who should be the most street savvy convict drug dealer con artist awful child dating motherfuckers there are right oh, like yeah. for these two to get got like the writer really missed the mark in using these two to be the dummy marks and i'm in the middle of like really starting to wallow and how absurd it is that new jack the man who used to be new jack neelix the guy who was in a fucking penal colony when janeway pulled him out for them to be had by some bullshit of orphans and boom they spring the trap on me <laughs> and the next scene and they 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 seal it with Janeway like on the Delta Flyer with him like contemptibly like throwing up the the fucking uh, tricorder after scanning the database to be like gentlemen you have been had like there's an exclamation point on how they got got and it's just perfectly set up that you don't know that the rest of the episode is going to be about new Jack Neelix and convict Tom making their grand reappearance onto Voyager, but that's what it's about. And that's what makes it amazing. Here's your episode title for this. Uh, 
Neelix gets his groove back. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know how to phrase that the right Tom Neelix. We got to come up with a little hybrid name for them. But the next scene is them in the mess hall, both furious with each other. Neelix, what happened to us? No, no, I no, know exactly. No, not yet. Not yet. That doesn't actually happen first. First, they rub the Sultan for more because they have to go to the briefing room with the angry minor man. And the angry minor man literally says to their faces, how could you possibly be that naive and stupid? Right. First, a little bit more salt in the wound. Right. And then Tuvok's like, yeah, how could you guys be that? Yeah. Stupid? Excellent fucking question about how stupid you are. So they have to sit there and wallow in it. Then they show more grift. They show the uh, the grifting trio trying to convince some some space hobo to join join the Federation by paying a membership fee. And it's all it's a cool scene because it's very much like they got the the fucking vibe down from having the conversation with Neelix about, you know, like the, the, the do gooder Federation. And then you get a little bit more of the guy playing Tuvok being too method and the other two guys trying to run the grift. Yeah. So it's cool. That's fake Tuvok three times. I want to say in the episode, like starts buying into the Federation ideals and preaching to the point where it becomes detrimental to the scam itself and yeah when, when the other two have to like shut him down and tell him to be quiet and stand in the corner it's good stuff and then after that you finally get to the 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 turning point of the episode which is neelix and tom saying weren't we, what happened to us we the slickest people on the ship what what happened who are we now I know exactly what you mean. I've been over it a thousand times. Why didn't we see it coming? Orphans, the oldest gambit in the book. I mean, if it had been Harry, I could understand. He trusts everyone. The fact that they called out Harry as the guy who would fall for it was perfect. Like, mm-hmm. they're like, what if we turn into Harry Kim? This is the, this will not stand. This will not stand. This is the real A plot of the story. Not not Voyager getting exploited and 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 whatever else. It's it's Tom and Neelix being forced to confront that they've become soft. Yes. And resolving to uh to get their their chaotic neutral back. They uh, they they the final note on that they've gone soft is they they try to three card Monty the doctor. So you know, Neil's like, I, we're, let's do a scam real quick. Let's do a two man scam here where I'm going to do the three card Monty and you're going to be my, the, the fake Mark. And we'll bring in the real Mark. Who's going to be the doctor. And we're going to fucking get him. And they try to run the scam. And the doctor gets him immediately by saying, Oh, the, the, the nut you put into one of the cups is in your palm. And they're like, fuck, we really have lost our groove. We have to find a way to get it back. And you think like when they, when they do, when you, they do that it makes you think like oh this is just a scene right like they're not going to pay this off it's not like the rest of the episode is going to be a giant new jack neelix convict tom scam is it but wait (laughs) you're in luck because that's exactly what it's going to be whether you know it or not you know voyager's got this opportunity where they could just zoop off no fucks to give uh you know they're not the ones behind this um there's no need to meddle in other people's affair, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but in a rare turn of events, uh, Voyager cares about the implications of what's happening around it. I want to go back to basics part two yet again. Uh, when Voyager 
decided to grab the Talaxians and drag them into a brutal war with the Kazon. <laughs> Without consulting them, super dick moves. Maybe maybe Voyager's just atoning for its past sins, right? It's yeah, trying to... I mean, like let, we the, joke, let it's, the board it's give that a next pass, book. but, you know, like, but we also care that you got stolen on, you know? Yeah. Voy- the Federation doesn't stand for petty theft. Absolutely not. Borg, that's fine, though. Clearly okay. <laughs> um i forget how they track these guys down oh so they kind of run across them when they are having beef with the uh ship they sold the photon torpedoes to that we saw them running the grift on it looks look they they like pick up their engine signature or something like that something real basic they're going around trying to scan for their warp signature because the uh the head miner gave the information when they agreed to work with them and uh, they they track him down that way. And they're in the middle of beefing with this guy they scammed and he's got him in a tractor beam. And there's, of course, a breakdown of communication. Space Hobo is like, I'm mad. You're clearly at fault. And Janeway's like, listen, I know you've been out and up. Shooting happens. And the end result is the fake Delta Flyer gets away. But fake Janeway has been beamed to the brig. And so Janeway and Tuvok go down to the brig, presently armed by a smoldering catcher guy. I'm sure you noticed. And to interrogate her. And they try and run some very weak game between the two of them on her about how they're <laughs> they're going to send her to like the worst space prison, like worse than the shoot where you get psoriasis, psoriasis of the liver, I guess, or something like it was. uh no it was psoriasis yeah it was psoriasis it was because tuvok was was trying to improvise he just couldn't come up with shit that was the joke (laughs) yeah yeah no no no. you're right it's psoriasis um i think it's gross i this was a great scene uh i thought that kate mulgrew had a a good go at stretching her wings at being like angry disappointed but in the same way like impressed uh she lays a little bit of a you know we're not so different you and me resourceful ambitious um cunning but you know the difference being i'm not a liar and a thief and i think that uh fake janeway does a pretty good job holding down her own and kind of laughing her off i also really like the dig at her hair yes a lot of little bit of meta humor in this episode for sure uh, particularly in the grift, you know, like making fun of the the Federation's whole pose. Very uh, in the deft hands of someone like LeVar Burton, who certainly knows the meta of Star Trek very well. I think that might be what really gave it, it its edge. Uh, but but Janeway, like terminology. Janeway does leave the conversation knowing that it, that probably didn't work and that they need to come up with a new plan. Like there is that whole walk and talk in the hallway that sets up the rest of the episode. They're like, well, that didn't, that's probably not going to work. We got to come up with plan B. Don't worry. I've got enough. I've got to, I'm going to make it up as I go along. Did you get the feeling during that walk and talk that like Janeway was like, ah, Tuvok, you kind of fucking botched that, but it is what it is. And I'm still going to give you like your participation trophy. Like you tried your best for, you know, lying's not Vulcan's strong points nor his improv. That, but that's you know exactly what? what Tuvok says. Like, I fucking tried. <laughs> like, I don't know where you're fucking going with that. 
The last time I did good cop, bad cop, uh, I almost killed that guy from uh... <laughs> from the telepathy planet where he was wanting murder thoughts. No, it was uh, Space Kitty Murderers, uh, not the Prometheus. Season opener. Oh, the, the... Uh, the, the Equinox? Yeah, that was the last time she did good cop, bad cop. That's only. true, yeah. Lock, lock the Elder Vampire <laughs> in the cargo. That was more like... That was more like Chakotay and Psycho Cop. <laughs> One of several times she's been at odds with Chakotay this season. I like when Janeway is kind of detailing her grievance and, and agreeing to help the miners and to, agreeing to stick around in the area and clean up these con artists. The discussion of identity theft back in 2000 before identity theft was what it is today. Uh, and her using the term, uh, what'd she say? Oh, our reputation. They've stolen our reputation. It's like, no, it's it's identity theft. It's a big deal with the internet, Janeway. You'll find out. Don't worry. 21 years from now, it's going to be a huge <laughs> deal. Uh, oh, there that, that could be the season six uh, season finale is like, instead of taking on the Borg, they can fight the Equifax breach. There you go. That's a real supervillain. Don't get me started. <laughs> So my fucking daughter had her identity compromised when she was like two weeks old. <laughs> starting out life. social security number shot for life. Start. start Thank you. Equifax. Starting life out on the right foot. So the rest of the episode, it plays out like this. You see Neelix go down to the, to the brig. He's got the tray of food, a little tea there. He goes in. He's got a phaser. He's got a phaser. He's armed. He's strapped. He goes in and he starts the Neelix thing where he's going to connect with this person. Going to talk to him about like he, when he came on board, he was grifting. He just wanted a warm place. To, he just wanted to take advantage of him. But he, he was drinking bath water. But he was, if you remember, he, he learned. He learned that, you know, he could have a place here that he could change it's but this space friendship is magic. It was the standard Federation pitch, right? And it is so perfectly and sincerely delivered that you as the audience do think that he's there to, to deliver the pitch, right? Like that. This is, this is what happens in this episode of Voyager. This is what happens in Star Trek. You've got Neelix. He goes down there. He tries to convert the villain to not being villainous anymore. And that's, that's what's going to happen here. But they have a great conversation. They talk about her childhood. You th you think she that he's getting through to her. But all of a sudden, oh, let's have some of that tea. Oh, no. Oops, there was a mistake. Oh, no. Judo chop to the back. I'm going to take your gat. I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to shoot the guard who's no longer a smoldering catcher guy because it's time for someone to get jabroni. And that means smoldering catcher guy is not going to be the guy. That gets got. He's out. He's that's not in his contract. So it shoots some poor other schmuck, and then suddenly she's loose with a gun. She's wandering the halls and she finds her way to the Delta Flyer and she gets on the Delta Flyer and flies away. And Tuvok's in inept security somehow doesn't stop her. Again, false prophets. We're not seeing anything that's not believable for Voyager right. standard. I want to go back to the dedication to the Federation uh, playbook. When she busts Neelix in the back, it's with the Kirk double axe. Oh, yeah. Double, double hand. It's 
the classic Trek fight maneuver, right? Like Space Kung Fu Mastery 101. I'm going to say on record, I knew it was up at this point. I can smell a new Jack Neelix when I see one. Really? I'm impressed oh, that you, yeah. smel- you smelt it then. When I saw Tom and Neelix getting stank about it, like, again, that this was the real plot for me. Like, when I was like, oh, these guys shouldn't be stu- – oh, wait, they are? And I was like, okay, here's the real story. And I'm like, New Jack Neelix is on the fucking case. There's going to be some – there's there's gonna be some fuckery here. This when is gonna when be they good. do the weird cutaway to the bridge and no one's doing anything about it, I figured that would have been your clue. But if you knew during the scene with Neelix that he was up to something, that's quite clever of you. Especially when I saw the gun on him, like it's uh, Neelix has grown on me immensely, and and I saw this one coming. Um, so so it's all it's a plant, right? Mm-hmm. And and we'll find out that it's a many multi stage d- grift that tom and Neelix have planned i want to be there for the staff meeting where they've got security guy and they're like all right listen (laughs) we're gonna send we're gonna send the space rat in and he's gonna have a phaser and he's gonna like cheese it up and then he's gonna lose control of his phaser um here's the thing tony we need you to take one for this. <laughs> we need you to get shot. Now, listen, it's going to be set to perma stun one. So when you get shot, you got to sell it. You got to like fly back like you've been blown away. <laughs> like We promise it's going to be cool. And he'll be like, why is it got on me? Why can't it's fucking Ayala shift? Like, why are you pulling <laughs> off and put me on it? <laughs> listen, Tony, ever since you let the fucking Ferengi go, you've been on Janeway's shit list false profits right? that means if someone needs to get shot for a grift it's not mm-hmm. gonna be ayala who's getting shot did Tony ayala one let way. unarmed ferengi get away did make it so that we couldn't get home four years ago i think not <laughs> tony i'm telling you one way or the other you're getting shot you don't want to do this assignment you're going to be permanently assigned to engineering and the next time the queen board goes through there with the compression rifle there's no guarantee it's permanent stun. All right. <laughs> you want to get shot off the sky bridge and fall and break your back like the other guy? Or do you want to take a nice soft one here from uh, fake rainbow? <laughs> that should have been our fucking intro skit is that briefing. <laughs> oh, what a lost opportunity. The security briefing. <laughs> oh, man. It should have been the guy from uh, Lois Dex in there. The, the real asshole that murdered the dark matter thing. Like, this is Heron? how you get back. Yeah, on. yeah, crewman Herod. Like, okay, yeah. man, this is how you're making up for your murder. This is how we, or hey, grab some of the Equinox crew members. Could have been blonde engineering lady. <laughs> so many good opportunities. You just here, saw. Right? You just see each and every person who has sinned on Voyager have to try and stop them and get like rolled. Hey, <laughs> make it, make it Naomi Wildman. That'd have been fun, right? <laughs> yeah, phase the child. What could possibly go here, wrong? Here, you get to be in the scene, Naomi. But I'm being shot. Well, you know what? An appearance is an appearance. Um, still getting that scale pay, girl. Get out there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, off they go on the Delta Flyer. And they link back up uh, with the fake Delta Flyer, a.k.a. the piece of crap cargo freighter. Uh, and we've got some hostility between the old crewmates here, right? Fake Tuvox happy to see fake Janeway back, but uh, her, the other guy, fake Chicote, uh, he ain't having it. How'd you get, how the hell did you escape the Super Federation 
you know, this guy doesn't know that the place is a fucking slip and slide for security breakouts under Tuvok's n- neglectful eye. So he's got some valid questions, but uh, fake Janeway ain't having it. The important part of this exchange is while it's happening, we cut to the rear of the Delta Flyer and out of the, the med, out of the uh, the med be- uh, bed comes Tom Paris, who has stowed away and. He is not stowed away alone, for he has a little silver device that he presses some buttons on, and lo and behold, it is the doctor in his Colonel Campbell mode. <laughs> this is the doctor who's going to get shit done. He's good. he's a dirty and naughty man. And so- what if what if going along our previous conversation topics, what if when he materialized the hologram it was bartender Michael ready to start throwing some Irish right hooks? Perfect! I still think that you could have made up so much for having to deal with two Fairhaven episodes if Bartender yes. Michael showed up like a ha- like another half dozen times throughout the rest of yes. the series. That absolutely 100% like that his his down home Irish bartending and bar fight skills come in handy in some fucked up situations. Here's what I need Bartender Michael to have is he materializes and then he has his own little silver thing that he pushes and that then materializes a second, you know, um, portable holographic uh, device replicates a a chair, a bar stool. <laughs> OK, a bar chair. And sometimes he uses that bar chair and breaks it over people's head in a vicious bar fight. But sometimes he turns it backwards and sits down to impart some wise Irish bartending um, wisdom talk. Yeah, yeah wisdom and, and talks people off of that ledge. It's a very versatile program. A lot of missed opportunities. Very on point for Voyager. So we cut away from that revelation to uh, fake Janeway returning to the fake Delta Flyer, where there's a little bit more sort of dispute over uh, how she got away. She's very on brand, though. Like, fuck both of you. I made it off. We've got to get the fuck out of the system, though, because Voyager's onto our shit. So let's go to our planet where we have a head, you know, have a little booty. Get the fuck out of here. So there's a little tension. You know, like how many transporter enhancers do we take? We'll take 10. We'll take 12. Fake Janeway offer like I'm going down with you all. They've kind of got that Mexican standoff feel going. You never do. You know, in all these years, you've never put any muscle in on these. I, again, I, I see exactly where this is going. Bringing the doctor there kind of put the, the writing on the wall. That doesn't make any of this any less enjoyable for when the jig is finally up. Um, they beam down. They, they put all the transporter uh, enhancers on the booty of all of the generic looking Star Trek space crap that they have stolen from everyone. And our triumphant third application of the caves. Yeah, this is definitely the uh, space spider asteroid moment definitely the same configuration there and once they're all set up of course fake janeway is trying to contact actual janeway after pulling a gat on the other two to say i got all the shit captain you beam beam everything out you want to beam everything out captain maybe beam everything out can we maybe beam everything out not getting outnumbered getting out getting a reply seven of nine is trying to like beat all the interference or whatever she's barely in the episode it's like most of the characters are barely in the episode, to be honest with you. It's just a little bit of dialogue. And um, 
fake Chakotay tries to pull his gat, gets shot. And when fake Tuvok pulls his gat, he actually shoots fake Jadeway. And that's when we get the full picture, which is passes right through. And why is that? Because this is the doctor, of course. And returning to his uh, his future's end part two status of I'm just going to be a murder bot and be able to phaser everybody, but also still ineffective because rather than picking up his gat again after being made uh, immaterial uh, to phase through a phaser shot, he just runs away, just like ah! runs into the caves because they got to make sure Tuvok shows up to have a confrontation with fake Tuvok. They can't let that pass up. So he runs back into one of the caves like, help! And then Tuvok happens to have been down by this point and is like, gets into a, a Mexican standoff with fake Tuvok and fake Tuvok's like, oh, it's actual Tuvok. I, lo- I love your work, but, you know, logically, neither of us have an advantage. And then in a moment that finally demonstrates to you, Peter, an actual reason Hold to on. have. Let me put my let me let, let, let me let me put my not buying it face on. <laughs> Despite your not buying it face, in a moment that finally gives an in-character on-screen reason to specifically have arm-based flashlights, <laughs> Tuvok flashes the flashlights in front of the guy's face with a quick flick of his arm, and with him distracted, gives him a shot with a gat. And has uh, disabled him effectively. And Joe, if I got a gun on you and you got a gun on me, and then your free hand goes to move up to point at me like you got a gun, I'm not going to wait for you to shine me in the face with a flashlight. I'm just going to shoot you. We can shoot each other and both <laughs> be stunned, but I'm not going to let you use your offhand to go in a shooting motion. And then shoot me. Listen. That's fucking, that's fucking stupid. That's my only complaint for this entire goddamn episode. That was fucking stupid. You he should have just shot. You just, say, just shot. say that because it's finally justification for the arm. It's not justification. Your hated flashlight armband. I hate the flashlight on a hair tie. I hate. It's stupid. <laughs> that scene's fucking stupid. Tuvok should have gotten shot because he's a shitty security guy. If he would have showed up with a bow and arrow and shot him, that would have been cooler than the fucking flashlight. Whatever. The real story here is the doctor can hide his mobile emitter. Yeah, apparently, if if he's if he's impersonating someone else, it doesn't appear on his clothing. That's right up there with. Oh, by the way, we have subdermal communicators. Yeah, we have. Why does everybody not have a subdermal communicator? Why would the doctor ever show his Achilles heel if he could hide it? Like. Whatever, I get it. I've I've asked the question a million times before, but uh, it works. I it was predictable. I loved it. I love the line delivery that fake fake Janeway was giving, where it was like the hey, let's go get the stuff, not the stuff that's on the planet where I noticed it was all open ended enough that he just kind of like nice, you know, FBI sting language there right Mm -hmm. uh entrapment i guess would be the the way to put it so uh by the end all three of them get gunned down and uh the day has been saved yeah the uh, the the cute ending is that they are back in the mess hall they're doing three card monty with the doctor again the doctor says come on guys i'm on to your game i'm a computer program i've got computer program 
site. I just shot somebody. I've just probably murdered someone again. And that shit's up your right arm. And they reveal, no, it's not up my right arm. It's actually in Tom's hand. They did the handoff with the little sleight of hand. You didn't see that coming. And the doctor, you know, is frustrated and goes away. And then Neelix and Tom, you know, have that, that the head nod moment. Like, we still got it. <laughs> and that ends up actually being the purpose of the episode. It takes them 30 minutes to get to the actual episode. But that last 15 minutes is fucking awesome. <laughs> We're still slimy. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We still got it. We had New Jack Neelix and Convict Tom. They can they can make appearances when they need to. It's all right. It's also fun in this episode that had the Neelix scam gone the other way, like I I appreciate that they did put the redemption cookie on the table. Like that fake Janeway could have just as easily been like, you know what, I'm gonna take you up, Neelix. Maybe I do want to live that better life. Maybe I am a product of my environment and I want to make that active effort to change. I'm going to take you up on the offer. And instead of shooting you and, and Tony, the security guy, you know, I, I could be redeemed, but she does do the jailbreak and kind of makes herself that uh, unredeemable villain that you don't feel bad watching them get gunned down and fucked up later. It's, like, it's worth pointing out that we they cut back away to like, what happened to fake Janeway? And she's just un partially still unconscious in the delta flyer with tom it was like yep i fucking drugged you <laughs> that's that's it like yeah you're still groggy because i gave you a roofie <laughs> you'll sleep it off you're groggy and i've got you in you know i know it's a bio bed but as far as i'm concerned ever since they had uh they dissected uh seven of nine and they're like that's the morgue that's the delta flyer morgan he's he's put her in the morgue i'm, I'm in alien chicks but one's with hair don't worry <laughs> uh yeah great episode like season six is is uh doing miracles here trying to pull this train wreck of a season out of the gutter uh into something enjoyable i I, I would re-emphasize that live fast and prosper is an episode that rewards voyager fandom uniquely you know like it is a Trek episode, but it is a Voyager episode. It is an episode that actually says, if you know these characters and you know the history of these two characters in particular, that is where the enjoyment comes from. And that's relatively rare for the show to do that, especially exceptionally now. rare. And, yeah. and that's why it was so it's so much fun to to watch and rewatch. But yeah, I mean, we've had Child's Play, which I really enjoyed. Good Shepherd, which I enjoyed. And what are we watching next uh, week, Peter? Well, it's not going to be next week. This is going to be like next month for us, right? Yeah. When we when we return to doing Voyager episodes, which will be in a few weeks, what are we going to watch, Peter? Season six, episode 22, Muse. And I'll be damned if I can see what's going on in that picture. When Kim and Balana take the Delta Flyer in search of dilithium, they crash land on a pre-warp planet where Balana is found by a local poet. I know you're making a face. That's a bad, that's a sour face. It's not a good face. That's I smell a stinker face. What if I told you this is like one of the, one of my favorite episodes of Voyager period. I, I would say this is going to be a religious episode that deals with the afterlife. <laughs> yeah, well, you know me, uh, but that's not true. This is a actually just really cool Star Trek story. And I think that it, it is one of the more meticulously constructed 
sort of like worlds they put you in for this one. And I'm looking forward to this one being on one on our way back. Like season six is not is is not going to go out like a lamb. It's going out like a lion. And uh, this is another example of that. I think you'll like it. I really do. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I think the last time we took a long break from Voyager, we ended on um, Living Witness. So this was a strong one to go out on as well. And uh, I look forward to getting back in the saddle and picking things back up in the future. Indeed. And so thank you to all of you out there uh, listening to the show and sticking with us through the years of all of our spring breaks. I, I really do appreciate it. And we look forward to rejoining you soon again. Uh, this will be our last episode until May 6th, May 6th. You'll hear our previously Patreon only review of lower decks. And then you will finally hear from us on Muse on May 13th. So until then, take care. See you later. Live fast. And- <laughs> there you go.